Oh, good morning, everyone. My name is Lee. I'm the Youth and Young Adults Minister here at All Saints. It is great to see um, so many of you and so many new faces, um, yeah, people who are guests here. I just really want to extend my welcome to you, especially. It's great to, to have you along. And to those watching on the live stream as well who couldn't make it here, um, welcome to you. Um, have you ever had that experience where you've let the team down? So maybe you've put all these hours and, and creative thought into cooking a new meal for the family um, and you present it and it's met with, what's this? Or this is interesting, but not in a good way. Or it's Tuesday night, like why don't you just cook what you usually cook? Or someone gets up from the table, walks to the fridge, grabs out the tomato sauce and goes, that's better. Or maybe you've pitched an idea at work, uh, an idea you put a lot of thought into. Uh, you present it and there's just crickets. And Or maybe like your boss or co-workers just tear it to shreds. What were you thinking? Maybe it's been a, a group assignment um, at uni and for whatever reason, you've been that person, because there's always one, that completely misses the mark, uh, misses the deadline and lets the team down. That was me most of the time, but I felt like I should take on that role so others didn't. Um, I know, I'm amazing. Uh, maybe, maybe your parents always dreamed that you'd be know, like a doctor or a lawyer or, or this or that, um, or dreamed that you'd have a family by now, but it's not the case. You haven't lived up to their dreams, and maybe they don't explicitly say it, but you sense that you've let them down. Well, at first glance, and for those there on that first Good Friday, Jesus has failed. Jesus has let the team down. And I want all of us here this morning to see ourselves in the teams of people that surround the cross as Jesus dies. There are some that you'll identify with more, uh, but there's a bit of each in all of us. Um, So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look at these people. Father, we have heard this story um, many times, and that familiarity can mean that it loses its impact. But I pray that it wouldn't. I pray as we, we sit here this morning and hear of your son dying, um, that it would impact us, that it would grip our hearts and change our lives. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Um, so firstly, we see Roman soldiers. And to the Roman soldiers... Jesus is just another wannabe king from the inferior Jewish people. Uh, From verse 17, they give him a royal robe and a crown of thorns. They mockingly hail him as a king, but beat him violently like a piece of trash. He's a failure of a human being to these Roman soldiers. He can't even carry his own cross like most other criminals would have. His clothes are worth more to them than he is. Caesar is their king. Caesar is a powerful person. Not this low-life Jewish man. He is not their king. But what about you? 
Maybe like the Roman soldiers, you look at Jesus and this whole Easter Christian stuff and just think, surely he's just another ordinary bloke who people made too much of. He was able to rally a bunch of followers, you know, vulnerable, gullible people who needed hope in their lives and so they followed him, but he wasn't anything special. And he's not the king of my life. I'm the boss of my life. I call the shots. I'm not going to surrender my life to this over-exaggerated Jewish man from 2,000 years ago. That might be you, but you might be sitting there thinking, nah, that's definitely not me. I love Jesus. Well, if I'm honest, I think there's a part of me that doesn't want to want Jesus to call the shots in my life. I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. And so I see a bit of the Roman soldiers in myself. And there's often a mismatch in my life too. Like the soldiers, my words don't often they they often don't match with my actions in my life. And I'm sure you see it in your own life too. We sing praises, we declare him our king, our saviour, our rock of ages, but much of the time, we don't treat him like that. Secondly, the Jewish leaders. To the Jewish leaders who have been in constant conflict with Jesus, he's a failure, and they love it. They laugh at his bold claims to be the one to rebuild the nation of Israel, to save God's people, Look in your Bibles at verse 31. It says, In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, but he can't save himself. What a joke. A helpless fraud. A failure. And maybe like the Jewish leaders, you'd say you'd believe if you saw something miraculous. Look at verse 32. They say, let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. If Jesus came down now and showed himself in my life, in my time, then I would believe. Maybe there's a bit or a lot of you that kind of laughs at Christianity and its bold claims he is the saviour of the world, that he is God. But is there something deep down in you? Do you wish it was true? That you wish this whole thing was true, that he did die for you, that he is God, that he does love you, that there's a God who made you and loves you. But you just want God to show up now in your life, and to prove himself to you. And until then, you'll keep your distance. And again, if you're like me and you're someone who loves and follows Jesus, this creeps in too, doesn't it? Do this for me now, God. Show up in this situation now and fix it. Prove yourself to me. And we keep Jesus at arm's length sometimes until he does. 
there are some disappointed hopefuls um, who mishear Jesus. So in verse 34, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi. And we're told in verse 35, if you have a look, that they think he's calling Elijah, Elijah. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet, so before Jesus' time, um, who didn't die. Uh, but he was miraculously taken up into heaven. And so maybe they think and hoping Elijah might come down and help Jesus, take him down from the cross. But there's no rescue. Jesus dies. Things don't play out the way they expected. He's not the Jesus they wanted. In verse 35, we're told these people were standing near the cross. They were quite close. They're a more hopeful bunch. They want Jesus alive. They want him to stick around, but when Jesus dies, their hopes are dashed. Now, for a lot of people, the thought of God becoming human is ridiculous. It's blasphemous. And so the thought that he'd subject himself to death, death on a cross, this humiliating death like this, is beyond embarrassing and shameful for God. But I think in our culture, I don't often see that being a stumbling block. But I do think there are things about God and about Jesus that he says, that he does, that we see in the Bible that we're a little bit ashamed of and embarrassed by. We wish it weren't there. We wish it was different. Even as Christians who, you know, we stand near the cross, who we've embraced it all, we've put our trust in Jesus, but we don't see the full picture. We're not God. We don't know everything. And often God's ways are not our ways, And sometimes that's troubling for us. But I'm super thankful for that. That God's ways are not my ways. That God's ways are not your ways. Most of Jesus' closest friends and followers, um, you might have like heard of disciples like Peter and James and John and stuff like that, they have ditched Jesus at this point. In his hour of suffering and death, they are nowhere to be seen. But there's many women watching at a distance. And among them are women who Jesus had healed and honored in a society where they were second class. He taught them as he'd teach men. He said, follow me, become a disciple, just like the others. He listened to them and he often praised their faith. He said, here is an example of true faith. They were vulnerable people, and they clung to him. They'd put all their hope in Jesus, these women. They'd cared for him. They opened their homes to him, supported him with what they had. They gave up so much for him. Remember Mary, who a few days before Jesus died, broke that expensive jar of perfume and poured it out all over Jesus. This perfume was worth over a year's wages. 
she gave up everything for him. And actually, she wasn't the first to do that. Another woman had done that before this, poured out over a year's wages of perfume on Jesus. He was their hope. He was their everything. And now he's gone. And maybe you resonate with those feelings, with those women. Maybe you feel like Jesus has failed you. He hasn't turned up at those times in your life when you most needed him. You've heard stories of other Christians who have found so much comfort and peace in difficult times, but you feel abandoned. You've tried and tried with God, but life is difficult. Your doubts weigh you down. You have unanswered questions that you feel you just can't put to the side and ignore. And the world's ways are just easier for you. Slowly, your hopes that began so bright are growing scarily dim. Maybe like the women, you're now standing at a distance, at a loss. Was it all a waste? Now look, I've brought up a lot of things here. And maybe you identify with one or more of those things, these groups of people that stand around the cross and watch as the Son of God dies... I want to say it's really important that you acknowledge how you feel about God this morning. That you're honest with yourself about how you treat him, how you think about him. The resistance to him being king in your life, maybe. The demanding him to prove himself to you. And maybe the feeling of being ashamed of him sometimes. Or the feeling that Jesus has failed you. You've got to be honest. You've got to be honest. But do you know what's amazing? Do you know what's incredible? Jesus dies. The Son of God dies. I know you've heard it before, maybe thousands of times. But against the backdrop of everything going on, isn't it absolutely astounding? He dies for the Roman soldiers. He dies for the Jewish leaders. He dies for those he's disappointed. He dies for those who are now watching at a distance. He dies for the disciples who aren't even there. He dies for you. And he dies for me. Knowing all the scorn and the shame that we feel towards him at times... All the anger and hurt we have, out of love for everyone, for you and me, he dies. The Roman centurion who was overseeing Jesus' crucifixion would have overseen countless crucifixions. But he is stunned by Jesus' death. And in verse 39, he declares a truth that I'm not sure he fully understands himself. Surely this man was the Son of God. The Son of God died for you and me, for every single person in this world. We read Psalm 22 earlier, and a line that has kept coming up for me as I've reflected on Jesus' death is in verse 6. 
And it says, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. It's just that image has stuck with me. The way humanity is treating the Son of God in these hours, the scorn, the violence, the abandonment, all of it has reduced the Son of God to a worm, a hopeless, helpless, naked worm. But he isn't just dying for them. While he dies, verse 33, in the middle of the day, it goes completely dark. And that thick darkness represents the darkness in my heart, in your heart, the darkness we see in this world around us, this broken and desperate world, the darkness of how we've thought about, feel about, and have treated Jesus. And Jesus on the cross absorbs it all. The pain, the price, the weight of it all is on him as he dies. That darkness that we all fully contribute to has reduced the Son of God to a worm. And he cries out in verse 34, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have I been reduced to this? He cries that out because that's the worst of it. His own father for all eternity who has loved him, who has always been at his side, in these hours has forsaken Jesus. The father is allowing his one and only precious son to suffer and die for us. But it's not like Jesus didn't have a choice in this. Jesus willingly dies for us too. It's painful beyond what we can understand, beyond what he can bear, but he goes through with it. Why? Why does he do that for us? Well, it's because he loves you and me and he wants to invite us back to God. Um, In the account, the curtain temple tears, and it's not just a weird coincidence That curtain represented the reality that we are cut off from God. That between us and God, there's a curtain, a door, a wall that we can't move, that we can't get through on our own. We can't mend this relationship with God. Not by coming to church lots, not by doing good deeds, not by being a nice person. We can't be right with God. And so God's son is forsaken. And he breaks that barrier so that we can be restored to God. Because Jesus died, we can come to God. And the barrier is torn down. And so Jesus is not a failure at all. It may have seemed like that on that first Good Friday, but he hasn't failed any of us. And I know that's a bold claim if you're feeling like he has. He is the king of the universe. He is the true king, the best king. And he's got nothing to prove to anyone here anymore. He didn't save himself. He didn't come down from the cross because he was busy saving us. Can we trust him? Can I trust him with my life? Even if it doesn't make sense, even if I don't see the full picture, we can. Look at what he did. Look at what he became for you. And for me, of course, we can trust him. 
We might expect or want Jesus to do this or that in our life. We might feel hurt and frustrated when things don't go the way that we want them to go. But Jesus died to give us what we need most. A clean slate with God. A way back to God. A relationship, a life with God forever. Maybe for you this life as a Christian is hard. But he doesn't promise it'll be easy. We can feel weighed down by doubts, by difficult circumstances. Church can be a hard place. And God can feel distant in it all. But he isn't. He isn't. He died for you. And if you've put your trust and hope in him, you are near him. There's no barrier. You are close to him and he is with you. And I want you to hold on to that this morning and this Easter. I want you to keep trust in him. If you haven't put your trust in him, I want you to put your trust in him for the first time. He is worth it. Cling to him. Because he hasn't failed you. He hasn't failed anyone. He died for all of us. He died for humanity. And he'll never fail you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this is how you showed your love among us. We shouldn't be looking for anything else. Jesus laid down his life for us. You sent your one and only son into the world that we might live through him. May we delight in your love for us. May we trust you, hope in you and cling to you and rejoice that you will never let us go. You will never fail us. Amen.